Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast with your host, me, Caroline Blinska, the podcast for everyday people who want to fast track their way to more sales, more profit, and less work using automation and the latest strategies without needing to be tech savvy. I'll be interviewing experts in online marketing, business specialists, Shopify app developers, and also will be providing you with case studies and marketing methods that will have you winning with Shopify. Don't forget to check out ecommercemarketinglab.com slash podcast for show notes with information about each episode. So let's get straight into today's episode. Okay, hello everyone. Welcome to the show and I have Jody Daniels on the line today. Jody is um, someone that I really desperately know everyone needs to talk to because this is a major, major, major thing that's going on all around the world, no matter where you are in the world. The GDPR is going to affect everyone in business in some way or another. So I got Jodie on the line. I found out about her through some other connections that I had. And out of everyone in this space, I really found that Jodie knows her stuff. And I'm so happy to have her here. So Jodie, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here as well. Wonderful. So I'll just introduce Jody uh, for a second and then I'll let her introduce herself as well. So Jody is in Atlanta, Georgia, and she is a privacy expert with more than 19 years experience. She is in privacy marketing strategy, financial roles, and she has worked with quite a few major multinational companies during the span of her corporate career. And she is now the founder at Red Clover Advisors. So she specializes in general data protection regulation, which is what the GDPR is. So it's all about the compliance. It's about privacy, digital governance, and online data strategy. So Jody, how about you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit more about how you got into this and why you're doing it and um, what you can do to help others. Thank you. So I got into privacy because before privacy, I had created an online targeted ad network for a large classified third-party automotive site called autotrader.com here in the U.S. And so basically I stalked you for cars. We're all familiar with targeting today where we follow you for any of our businesses. I, you notice shoes and lights and whatever you're shopping for, you see the related ads. I did that for cars early on, more than 10 years ago. And some people found that to be a little creepy at the time. And so that was how I got into privacy. I essentially created a privacy program for the company that I was working with at the time. I created the privacy program there and then went on to work as the digital privacy expert for Bank of America and served in that role for several years where I worked on all the banking products that you'd have in your mobile app or online, as well as all the digital marketing. And after the 19 years in corporate, I left to start my privacy boutique and Ever since, I have been very fast on GDPR. That is the privacy topic around the world. At any conference that I go to, that is all everyone is talking about. And so I help companies that are one person all the way to large multinational companies on their GDPR compliance. Wonderful. Well, you definitely have worked with some very, very big companies. So I think that if you know the laws there, then you know how to look after everyone in this area. So that's fantastic. So a lot of people are going to be listening right now and saying, okay, but what is this general data protection regulation exactly? Can you just give us a little bit of an overview of what it is? Absolutely. So it is an update to actually an existing privacy law 
uh, or directive. So it's called the, the Data Protection Directive. It was back in 1995. So the world has changed significantly in those 20 years. And the GDPR is all about trying to update the, the privacy protections and rights that EU residents have. What it also does is it makes it a regulation and it unites all 28 member states. So there's an equal platform. Before, each member state might have a slightly different interpretation of how they would manage it. So Germany might have something different than France, which might be different than the UK, and so on. So here, it's meant to be a baseline. Now, it's still possible that each of the different member states might enforce it or interpret it just a little bit differently, but generally speaking, it's this baseline. And what is that baseline? Well, it's all about giving an EU resident privacy rights. And I have heard from the original drafter of the GDPR just a few weeks ago at the International Global Privacy Summit, and many times she repeated, it's all about giving back to the, to the end user, to the data subject that they're called, their digital rights, their control over their data. So we live in such a digital society that it really is all about making sure that I know what you're doing with my data. I have choices about what you're doing with my data. I'm informed about what you're doing with that data. And then I also have individual rights. I can, I can request it to be changed. I can request it to be deleted. And a company has to take responsibility. I have to make sure I'm protecting it. And to sort of wrap it all up in a bow, a lot of people have said GDPR is all about documentation. They don't want lip service from companies where if you just have a law and companies say that they do it. So there's a lot of documentation requirements in GDPR, and that's really to make sure that companies actually are paying attention to it. Because when you, and then when you put a fine on top of it, and I know we'll talk a little bit about that, then you really get companies to start paying attention. Okay. So you mentioned 28 member states. So there's 28 countries in the world that are involved in this? Yes. So there are 28 EU member states that are the sort of enforcers of the GDPR. Uh, But it affects more than just those 28 member states. So I sit in the United States. And if I am a global business and I'm targeting people around the world, then I still have to comply because it's all about the EU resident and their data, no matter where the company resides. Because again, it's all about protecting the EU resident. And since we live in this global world, they don't want to box it in only to companies that are based in those member states, but it's truly a global law. Okay, so if you have a company and um, I'm going to, I sort of want you to tell everyone on the call, everyone that's listening to this podcast, they are all in e-commerce. So if they've got an e-commerce store and if they currently only sell in the US to US companies, they only ship within the US, does this affect them? No, it doesn't. If you are a and that would be true for any country around the world if you're only targeting your little fiefdom and your fiefdom is not in the EU. So this is, it is a global law, but it is only a law protecting EU residents. You will likely see other laws coming comparable to GDPR. We can have that podcast next. Uh, but today, if I'm in the US and I am selling plates only to people in the U.S. My Facebook pixel is set to the U.S. My Google Analytics is set to the U.S. My email marketing is geared only to the U.S. I 
only have to deal with US laws. Okay, so in saying that though, I'm just going to put in this um, little bit of advice to everyone listening. So if you're listening and you think, okay, well, this is not going to affect me, I can tell you right now, my first e-commerce store back in 2006, I was selling shoes and shoes sending them around the world cost a lot of money. So I was selling only in the in Australia at the time. However, remember you are on the internet. So unless you actually block people from seeing your website, unless you actually block other countries, chances are other people from other countries may ask for their, you know, they might give you an email address, they might sign up for something, they might sign up for your VIP club, or they might end up somehow seeing your Facebook ads or something like that. So in saying that you only sell to the US and you don't sell outside of that, you still have to be a little bit careful. Is that the understanding? That's the understanding that I'm getting from it. So yes, that is true. At the same time, if Someone happens to find me, and this could be true uh, for really any business online. If I happen to just stumble upon your site and you didn't actively seek me, then your risk is a lot lower. I didn't try and find you. I didn't lure you in. And so the law is really designed for you're actively, knowingly processing data on an EU resident. Now, with your example, if you come in, and somehow I figure I ship it to you because I decide no, no troubles. I'll just do this one exception. I'm really thankful that you've come to my store. So you send this out to them. You have just processed their data and now maybe you've added them to your marketing list. Now you would be in scope for GDPR because now you are actively trying to target them and continue that relationship with that customer. Okay. And a lot of the emailing systems don't actually tell you where the customer is. So in that case, if someone, if I had like a free VIP club, it was 10% off if you sign up today and suddenly all these people in Europe started putting their names and email addresses in there and I started emailing them to them, not knowing that I'm emailing to people in Europe, that's still classes processing their data. Is that correct? It is. And actually many of the email service providers, because so many of those service providers are serving global businesses, they're all changing their forms and processes and systems to be able to do a couple things to help meet GDPR. And I know that we'll talk about those, but one of them that they're doing is to help identify where a user is from. So I actually think you'll start seeing email service systems advance so that businesses can more clearly be able to tell where someone's coming from. Perfect. Wonderful. I just wanted to clear that up. I don't want people listening, thinking that we're trying to waste their time. So people just need to be really clear clear whether this is important. But another thing you did mention, Jody, was that this law might be for EU citizens currently, but you do believe that things will start coming in in other parts of the world. So, And it will all look very similar to this, I think, because this has been a long time in the making. I think they've taken on into account a lot of different aspects. So I think that the laws, whatever they bring into other countries, will still be around this form in some way. Yes, absolutely. So actually, Australia has been talking about it. Canada is looking at updating their privacy rules and are looking to GDPR. The U.S., At the time of our podcast, there's a lot happening in the U.S. right now with Facebook in the hot seat, and there's a lot of talk about strengthening the privacy laws. So we'll just have to see what happens over here in in the States. But there is definitely a movement towards GDPR for countries around the world. Perfect. Wonderful. So how is this relevant to e-commerce stores in general? We did touch on, you know, the fact that if they are selling outside of the country, if they've got a VIP club that people sign up for, for a 10% off, is there anything else that we didn't cover in that little section? 
Yes. So GDPR is all about processing data. And I think it'd be important to talk a little bit about what kind of data we're talking about. Because one thing that's really interesting about GDPR is it expands the definition of what many people think of personal data. So I think we're all accustomed to personal data being your name, your email, your address, if I'm sending you something, and your credit card information. Many, many companies might be using other payment service providers so they don't have to actually collect that financial information, which I, I highly advise. But GDPR also includes in personal data online identifiers. So that means all the digital marketing that we're doing is now in scope and considered personal data. So if you put a Facebook pixel on your website, that pixel drops a cookie. That cookie and the IP address that might have been collected is now considered personal data. If I am advanced and I know that you're shopping on my phone versus a desktop, that device information, browser information, all of that is considered personal data. So e-commerce stores really have to understand what kind of data they are collecting so that they can really ensure that they're protecting the data properly and meeting all of GDPR's other requirements like notice, and a notice is a, is a privacy notice, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But really, GDPR has a number of different requirements. So you have to know what data you're processing, and you can't know what data you're processing if you don't understand the definition of personal data. So it's really important for e-commerce business owners to understand it's not just name and their shipping address and their email anymore. It's all this other online data that they're using in their marketing campaigns. Okay, so on that point, um, in Europe, and if you do sell inside Europe, you do need to have a little um, notification saying that you've got cookies on your website. So that information does change as well, doesn't it, from what I understand? Yes. So that's the cookie consent banner that you're talking about. Yes. And that was today. So there's a cookie consent or, or cookie directive, actually, that exists today. And it's what it was supposed to be and what it is now is not exactly what they all had in mind. So we really should do a future podcast because there's yet another regulation coming out called the e-privacy regulation. It's not yet here. It was supposed to be, but it's, it's delayed. They just wanted us to have so much fun with GDPR. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about that later. But with GDPR, it's still an update to the cookie piece. So basically, this cookie consent banner is meant to be sort of a signal, a flag to the user that says, hi, we're using cookies on your site. We just wanted you to know that. Thanks. Let us, let us know that that's okay. That's the cookie consent banner today. Under GDPR, the cookie consent banner is supposed to be a little bit more detailed where the user understands you're using these types of cookies for advertising. You're using other types of cookies for analytics click here for our privacy notice and learn a little bit more. You're going to see a wide spectrum, I think, of cookie consent notices. So it will be interesting to, to see how this uh, works out. And when we were talking about what is GDPR, I didn't mention the date. So GDPR is in effect now, but it's not being enforced until May 25th, 2018. So there's just about 40 days left before enforcement starts. So we'll start seeing, I think, what regulators are looking for in that cookie consent banner. And at absolute minimum, every single e-commerce site that is targeting an EU resident should have up the banner that says, we are using cookies on this site. 
click here to learn more, that click here to learn more should tie them to a privacy notice. And in that privacy notice, it needs to make sure that it's very detailed on the types of cookies that it is using. Okay. It sounds like I think people listening will think exactly what I'm thinking. It sounds like there's a lot of things that we have to take into account um, that maybe we don't realize the seriousness of it. So if this did become an issue, so you're saying it comes into um, enforcement in the next 40 days, but I do know that there's going to be a little bit of a time period where people will have to um, understand the laws or they're, cha- they're still not exactly completely clear on all the laws. But how long, uh, how much money would someone have to be making before they get into trouble for it? So some people will sit there and say, well, I'm only earning $1,000 a year off my um, e-commerce store, so it's not going to be a problem for me. Is that true or is there really no barrier to when this can actually affect a company? So to the letter of the law, there is no barrier to entry. So there's no dollar amount I have to be making before a regulator might come and talk to you. At the same time, there's the reality that if you're a really small store compared to a really giant company, they're probably not going to find you as easily as if you're a big company that's done something egregious. At the same time, What GDPR has built into it is something called individual rights. That means I, as a user, can come to any company that's processing data on me as an EU resident and say, I'd like you to delete all the data you have on me. I don't want you, I don't want me in your system anymore. That's not just opt out of a marketing email. That's, I actually want you to delete me from your system. So that's one example. I might have another one that says, I want to port all the data that I have from your company and I I should be able to receive it in what's called a machine readable format. So what does that mean? That means Excel, a CSV file, something that's not code and gobbledygook, but something that is actually tangible that an individual user would be able to read and understand, some type of an export. Those are just two of the examples. So an individual could come to you, even if you are a very small e-commerce business, and make those rights and request those rights, and you as a store need to be able to adhere to them. If you don't, that individual could go report you. So you could have, or if you have employees, this also applies to employees. So we've been talking a lot about customers, but if you have any EU resident employees Everything I've described so far affects them as well. It's equal footing with employees and your actual customer data. So while there's not a threshold for enforcement, there is that risk level. So I advise companies to at least do what people can see on the outside. Really make sure you get those privacy notices accurate. Get that cookie consent banner Let's review how we're doing email marketing campaigns and the landing pages and freebies and things like that. And also make sure that we at least know where our data is so that we can manage some of these other requirements like individual rights. Okay. You've just completely blown my mind and I'm sure that everyone listening is in the same situation as me going, what are you talking about? This is, sounds crazy. This sounds so hard. So two questions based on what you just said. Um, one was that you spoke about deleting someone all their data and the other one was about exporting data. So if someone came to you and said, delete my data, they might send you an email, but should you have something on your website that says, um, here, go here to delete my data? Do you need to have that in there? 
So you can have something like that in your privacy notice. You don't have to have a very okay. fancy system. You do have to have a way for someone to contact you. Okay. So, so if in your privacy notice you said something like, if you want to access, delete, change your data, find us, contact us at privacy at awesomecompany.com, sure. and then they would find you from there. Okay. And exporting the data, let's say for instance, I am an e-commerce store and I'm retargeting someone on Facebook and I'm retargeting someone on Google ads and I'm also running um, Pinterest ads and I am also, I've got them on an email address. How, what data am I exporting about the Facebook pixel and the Pinterest pixel exactly? So that's an interesting question. So they also might request their data not expecting the marketing data. They might be coming to you saying, I want to know everything I've bought. Imagine all the orders and they want to take that out and go do something with it in some other system. So that might be why they're asking sure. for that. From a marketing standpoint, a lot of companies are, are being, if you have any of the cookie data, then you would share that. I think for many of the e-commerce companies, you probably are going to have less of that request. So I'm happy to ever, if you ever have that request, you can come find me. But I think most of what your audience and everyone listening on this call is going to be asked for is really more about their orders okay. as opposed to their marketing. But if you received a marketing request, it would be, well, first off, you probably delete that data and all of that data is probably in Facebook. My hunch is that everyone is not storing all of the different cookies that you have. So if they requested it, you would just share the cookie piece that you could find. But again, I, I don't think that's going to be quite as relevant. Okay. This. No, that's, not... it, that's good because it's just when you explained that, it sounded really overwhelming. So you've actually just cleared that up and it actually makes it sound not so bad. So what pretty much what I've just taken from that, if someone contacts you and says, hey, um, I want to see the data that you've got on me, you would reply with, here is the data that I have on your sales and this is the email address that I store for you. And I would just, I'm guessing you just not mention the word marketing until they actually email back and say, we actually want our marketing data. And that's when you would then turn to an expert like you and say, hey, help me with this. What do I do now? I would agree with that. One okay. other thing I would add is in any of the marketing you're doing, especially with Facebook, Facebook has a variety of requirements to ensure that users know how they can opt out of the targeted marketing. So where I see a opportunity for a lot of companies is to make sure that they are providing those opt-outs to users. So you might see, hey, I don't want to be retargeted anymore for those awesome plates that you were selling me. And I, ha I should be able to answer them and say, well, we value you as a customer. Thank you so much for shopping. You can opt out over here. Sure. Perfect. And there is um, that actually Google does have that link. I've actually done some research. This is a few years ago. Like you said, now it's stricter, but there is actually a page on Google where you can find that and people can click there and be unretargeted. And of course, in a Facebook ad, it has the same thing. There's an option on each ad that says, I no longer want to see these. So that is an automatic option already in those systems. Yes, and sites as well. So if you have a Facebook pixel in your site, you also are required per Facebook's terms to have the opt-out within your privacy notice. Okay, perfect. Wonderful. 
So what's the consequences? Just I just want to get over this formality stuff and then you can explain to people a little bit more about what they can do. But what's the consequences quickly if someone was caught? Let's say um, someone contacted you and said, look, um, what data do you have and you don't get back to them? What are the sort of cons- the consequences that they can see? So GDPR set up two tiers of consequences. One is 4% of global revenue or 20 million euro, whichever is greater, or... $10 million euro or 2% of global turnover, whichever is greater. So those are really large numbers. And a lot of companies will say, well, is that really going to happen to me? And I answer it with, it depends on how egregious your situation is. And I think it would be proportional to your business. Companies that have a plan and can show that they've tried to do the right thing are going to be in a much better situation if anything ever was brought to their attention than a company who said, I have no idea what you're talking about and I've done nothing. Okay. So people just have to understand this is serious. This is something that they have to look out for. They have to be serious about this and they can't just let it go as if it's no big deal because there is a chance that the consequences can be quite large. It's true that you cannot just let it go. And there are actually the opportunity for civil fines. So an individual, if let's say they came to you, they requested their individual data to be deleted. You told them, no, I'm not deleting your data. They could go and bring you to a regulator. They could also potentially have a civil fine against you. So it is an absolute serious law. It's not one of those silly laws that you hope will go away and not pay attention to. It really is something that the EU is taking extremely seriously. And I think you'll also find that EU residents will start taking it seriously and that they'll really be trying to exercise their their choices and their privacy rights. Yeah, and I can tell you, living here in the Netherlands, um, it's interesting. Privacy is a big thing in countries like the Netherlands and other countries in Europe. So what you just said is completely serious. People will take it seriously, and they will really look at it as a respect thing, that they have a right to have that privacy. So if anyone's listening and they think it's, you know, oh, don't worry about it, it's not a big deal, I can tell you from living in Europe for the last four or five five years that it is something that um, local people will take seriously. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit, I mean, I live in the United States. It really is a fundamental flip-flop from how we view data in the U.S. It's In the U.S., we're very much a capitalistic viewpoint of data. And in the EU, privacy is an absolute fundamental right. It's privacy first, then business. And here Mm. in the U.S., it's business with a little bit of privacy. Yeah, and I grew up in Australia. So Australia is sort of in between, yeah? They've got the sort of American system. They've got the European system. So I know that for me, I have seen a big difference. So American people are probably thinking, really, could it be that bad? But yeah, I, I really do believe that this is a big deal. And that's why I really want to join this call because... I thought it was really important that people understand this. So if people are running some sort of competition, this is a thing that I do a lot with my e-commerce clients, with people that are in my group. I say, hey, run a competition on Instagram, get people to share your pictures on Facebook or Instagram, you know, hashtag us in an image, show people, you know, who you are and what we're doing or tag your friend and you can go into a draw to win 10 pairs of socks or a year's supply of socks or whatever you're selling. How will something like that be affected for people that are in e-commerce? So when you're doing something like that on another platform and the user's entering all the information on the other platform, It really is actually the other platform that is storing, collecting that data. And so they are a party to 
to that data. So I don't want to get too complicated. There's this concept called controllers versus processors and GDPR can get really, really muddy. So if you're going to have this competition and then you want to use the data, so are you going to write down a list of all the people that signed up for the competition? No. I think that, yeah, I think that my group of people, they're too busy doing too many things. So I'll share it with a friend or tag a friend. They're not going to be storing any of that data. All they're going to do is contact the people who actually win the competition. Yeah. So in that scenario, I would recommend that in the original post that says, hey, tag your friends, that you make a note that says, we'll contact the winner via Instagram or Facebook or whatever platform it might be. And if you have any questions, then you can you know, contact us or don't participate. But if all that data stays within the social platform, then it really is the social platform that is responsible for it. And, it, and you're only responsible for the use. And if your use is only about notifying the winner, you can mention that in your original post and be fine. Okay. So just to clarify that, if I say tag a friend in this post and they tag a friend and both of them are the winners, I am still legally allowed to contact both of them because I'm not processing their data and taking it off Facebook or Instagram. I'm just contacting them through that actual social media platform. Yes. And again, I would say in the post to, you raise an interesting point. I would probably say, make sure that your friend is willing to participate in this competition before you, before you tag them. So Perfect. it can be a very simple little one sentence line. And that's enough. I think what you just said, that sounds good enough. Yep. Perfect. No, it's good to know. So people need to be aware that, you know, if they do want to get more, and that's really what a lot of people that I deal with, what they're trying to do is grow their database, grow their user base, grow their followers. So if they do want to start getting people to tag their friends, if it's for a competition, then they do need to make that aware. But in the other case, which I think we spoke about before we got on the call, was if you're just saying, tag a friend who's also, say it's a picture of a happy cat, tag another friend who also likes cats. If it's no sort of competition, if it's not that you're contacting anyone, they're just asked to tag a friend, then there's no privacy issue that comes into that. No, not for you. Okay, perfect. Wonderful. So what about MailChimp and Shopify? These are the two platforms I've heard um, might have, and these are two platforms that my people use a lot, is Shopify and MailChimp. Are those two platforms specifically affected or is it just the same as all the other platforms? It's specific. Not They are no different than every other platform. Uh, MailChimp is actually headquartered in Atlanta. I was just talk, talking with uh, their legal team yesterday and about their GDPR preparations. So, But MailChimp is no different than any other email service provider. Same with Shopify in, in terms of just being able to provide the services. So any of your vendors, and especially on the email marketing side, are all working really hard to release new features to make sure that they can help all of you be compliant. So there's a number of different pieces. Email marketing is a bit more of an opt-in approach. So you have to have certain consent boxes and the ability to have some language around that opt-in. And so all the email service providers are ensuring that they have that in place. There's also some other pieces around what's called cross-border data transfer. So if you are in the U.S. or somewhere else around the world and the data is coming from the EU, that's literally crossing borders. And the EU has some specific rules about that. So all these vendors are working hard at making sure that the data that they store for you will be able to meet those requirements. 
So when you're shopping for a vendor or looking for a new vendor, that's an important question to ask is how are you able to transfer data? What are your cross-border data mechanisms in place to ensure that your data is being properly stored? So yes, they're all, they're all the same. Okay, so I think that and I haven't asked you specifically, which I think I might get you back on for another talk if you'd like to come back at another time. Um, drop shipping might be a little bit of an issue because drop shipping is where I process the customer on my website And then I send the data to the company who processes the order and sends the order to the actual customer. So it sounds like that is going to be a little bit of an issue. So if you're selling to people in Europe and you're using Alibaba, for example, or AliExpress or um, Uberloo or one of those uh, platforms, and then those people are um, shipping the order straight to the customer, there must be an issue. I don't know if you off the top of your head know much about that or if we have to do something else specifically on that topic? So that gets a little bit more complicated, completely manageable. It just, when I mentioned before this idea of a controller and a processor, so what ends up happening here is your drop shipper would be a processor to you and potentially are they using others? So you have to think about the flow of data. So you get it from your customer, you send it to this company, And what does that other company do? So there's some checkpoints along the way that you need to make sure you're taking care of. So we can absolutely come back and talk about that another time. Absolutely manageable. I don't want anyone to think that they can't do that anymore. There's just potentially some extra precautionary steps that they need to make sure that they do. Okay, perfect. Yeah, it sounds like that's going to be sort of its own topic on its own because I think there's a few things to cover in that. And not all my um, listeners do actually do drop shipping. So We'll talk after this call and work out another time because I think that's really interesting as well. But before we finish up, what I wanted to do was I think a few people are listening to everything that you've said and thought, okay, but how does that work in with what I'm doing? So I just want to give you a bit of a scenario of one of my typical clients and typical listeners. And if you can just sort of give me an outline of that, um, then that will really help people. So most people that listen to my um, podcast and are in my Facebook group have got a Shopify or WooCommerce store. A lot of them are also selling their stock on Amazon or on eBay or on Etsy. They collect email addresses for special promotions, offers, VIP clubs. And then Amazon doesn't and Amazon and eBay and that don't always provide the email address. So what a lot of these people do is inside the box it says, If you want a warranty for this product, come to my website, to this page, enter your email and you will be put on the list as having a warranty and then they promote to that person and then if there's no sale with the person and they've just signed up, they might retarget them with ads and then if they do buy something, then they retarget them with different ads when it comes to buying another product. So that's pretty much a normal person's situation. Is there anything in that maybe extra you can add or give people a brief overview of the main points that they have to think about. Yes. So when you're collecting the email and you're asking someone to go and sign up for the warranty, that would be, you have to be able to process data under what they call lawful basis. And there's six different ways. The most common are consent, which means I say, yes, I I specifically ask you to do something. A contract, I bought something from you, you to deliver it, you need my information or legitimate interest, which is it would make sense for me as a company to be able to do this. I have to process that type of data. So for a warranty, that would probably fall under uh, legitimate interest or a contract. That makes sense. Uh, Actually, maybe even consent, depending on the way it was designed. 
So if I give you my address for my warranty, under GDPR, I'm giving you my address for the warranty, not to also market to me. So that would have to start getting split out where the user can absolutely sign up for the warranty. You process their email to be able to manage that. To promote and market needs to be a separate consent option. I need to be able to specifically opt in to receive that type of marketing. Under GDPR, to process data, it has to be for specific purposes. And so if I sign up for warranty, I didn't actually sign up for marketing. I just signed up for warranty. So the very first piece is we have to start separating those marketing emails from the warranty part. The other piece would be in terms of the retargeting. So you can continue to retarget. If you recall, I mentioned earlier that we talked about online identifiers like those retargeting pixels and the cookies that they're dropping are considered personal data. So we have to inform the user of how we're using that personal data and all of that's covered in our privacy notice. So we really have to make sure that we have our privacy notices completely up to date with all the different types of activities that we're doing pretty clearly laid out so that we can continue to offer and to retarget those customers. Okay, so that's really interesting because I was going to ask you, I know you've got a course that you're running specifically for this regulation and I know that you do cover privacy notices. So it sounds like that course that you're offering is actually spot on for people that are in e-commerce because it does cover the privacy notices. Will you go into details for e-commerce stores in that course specifically for their needs? So yes. So the idea behind this privacy notice workshop is it's not just a webinar and it's not just a checklist. It is meant to be a working session with a workbook and we'll go through the very common different sections of a privacy notice and work through it. So what are the types of data that you're collecting? And you'll have your workbook handy and you'll be able to write, oh, okay, I collect these five things within that. And you'll start being willing to build your privacy notice I'm on a bit of a passion mission to clean up privacy notices. I just read one last night and it was clearly a template because at the bottom it had company address in brackets. (laughs) So I'm on a mission to help people clean up their privacy notices and, and make sure that they are updated and accurate. I mentioned earlier, we talked about the Facebook retargeting and that Facebook has some specific requirements to include. We'll make sure that those are in there as well. Fantastic. And also you're talking on your workshop, you're talking about landing pages. So what we just mentioned about warranties and that opt-in, if someone buys from you on Shopify, there's a little tick box there that says, do you want to receive marketing from us? So I guess that's the sort of information that you'll be providing people when it comes to those sort of opt-ins and opt-outs and what options they've got there. Exactly. And in that Shopify example, sometimes companies have that box pre-checked and in GDPR, it has to be the other way. It can't be pre-ticked. Ooh, it has to that's be specific. It can't be pre-ticked. There needs to be a privacy notice. There's a variety of different rules that we need to make sure that we're all meeting. And so that is absolutely the second part of the workshop to really help and dig in and make sure that people understand what they need to do with their existing email marketing list. How does consent work? What kind of marketing and freebies can we be doing? And how to sustain that going forward? Wow. Fantastic. I think what I love most about today, Jody, and that's what I loved when I first found out about you was even just that first communication between me and you, you were so clear and so simple with the way you spoke. You didn't try to give us all this jargon and words that doesn't make sense for people like me and my listeners who really don't understand the technical words. So I love that you've actually given so much simple advice that really can be understood by us people who are not all technical like you when it comes to legal information. 
So glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been fantastic. And I'd love to get you back on about drop shipping specifically because I think that that's going to be a very interesting area when it comes to having to deal with other external companies as well. But for today, I think that the number one thing people can take away from this is that privacy notices are so important and this whole area of understanding what data you're carrying on people, understanding what you're doing and how you're actually processing it. It needs to be seriously looked at. It can't be overlooked by even the smallest company. Can you tell people how to find you and know more about this actual course that you're running? Well, it's a workshop. It's not a course. It's a workshop because you are actually helping them. Can you tell them how they can find out about that workshop so then they can get in touch with you? Absolutely. So lots of different ways. So the direct way to this workshop, and this workshop is going to be on April 24th, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time. So you can go to redcloveradvisors.com slash GDPR hyphen secret hyphen weapon hyphen workshop. It is the GDPR secret weapon workshop. You can also find it from the homepage if you just go to redcloveradvisors.com. You can find me on Facebook at Red Clover Advisors. You can find me just at Jody at redcloveradvisors.com. So lots of ways to find me. I hope to see many of you on the workshop. It's going to be super awesome, value-packed, hands-on with a workshop. You should uh, with a workbook rather. You should be able to leave that workshop and have a really hearty privacy notice and a solid understanding of what you need to do for your landing pages and email marketing opt-ins. But I also believe if people can't make that particular date, you are going to be running another one. So to get in contact with you anyway, because you will have another date at um, coming up soon. Yes, I will. The, this is so critical and important. So we've talked so much about being able to inform the user of what you're doing with their data and privacy notices is the absolute way to do this. We also talked about how you have a lot of, uh, you know, are you in the U.S. or where you are around the world? So the U.S. actually has a variety of privacy notice requirements as well from different states like the state of California. So if you have your GDPR privacy notice, you will be all set for your United States requirements. Wow. Okay. That's good. GDPR is is more detailed in, in some respects. So we're going to be making sure that you're completely covered. Uh, but the U.S. also has some that, that we need to make sure that we're, uh, we're updating. Okay, Super so this is just important for anyone that's actually got a business in general. Yes, it is. It's the very first piece. It is how you're communicating to your user what you're doing with their data. So what? important. Wonderful. Well, anyone who's listening and wants to know more, please get in touch with Jody at Red Clover Advisors. She can definitely help you and lead you in the right direction of what you need to know. But I also do believe, Jody, you do do in-person sessions with people. So if they're in Atlanta, Georgia or close to there, they can always reach out to you and make an appointment to see you in person. If they don't want to do the online workshop, they just want you to take care of things. You can do that as well for them. Yes, I can. And if you are not in Atlanta and you want to do a Skype, Zoom, phone call, pick a technology, happy to do that as well. Fantastic. Well, Jody, thank you so much for your help. Everyone, if you want to know more, it's Jody Daniels. Go and check her out. She's got Red Clover Advisors, Facebook, her website, everywhere you can find her. If you still don't know where to find her, come to my website, ecommercemarketinglab.com slash podcast, and you will find her there, her information there. So Jody, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for so much great information. And I'm sure that everyone's going to walk out of this uh, podcast knowing so much more than they did before. 
and feeling comfortable and safe that they do know that they're on their way to having a website that's going to be secure and saving their own butts from getting themselves into trouble. Absolutely. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Wonderful. Thanks, Jody. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on the episode, head over to ecommercemarketinglab.com slash podcast. And don't forget to join my free Facebook group, Ecommerce Marketing Lab, to sign up for my 14-day free Instagram challenge, Insta Sales for more sales with Instagram. And also, you can ask questions in the group to me, my team, and other Shopify store owners. Until next time, keep smiling.